0: All right, if you didn't catch it earlier, my name's Mark, and I'm part of the leadership team here, and uh, we've been going through a series, haven't we, of this last month of... Good, there's a big clue there, that's, that's great. I was expecting a bigger shout than that, because there's a big clue on the wall. Excellent, I knew I could rely on the airs, brilliant. Okay, so we've been doing that, and we've been going through each week, and we've had some terrific... Um, times together. I have listened back to them. I've been away on holiday, and good it was too. And I've listened back to each and every one of them, and it sounds like you had a fantastic time. Really, really good. Now, um, I'm going to continue that theme, and I'm going to kind of finalize it today. And this will be the last day that we do this theme, "Champions of the Bible," for this this season. Um, but Kathy, if you could come forward, and um, it's going to be—I warn you, Alan—it's going to be quite interactive. Uh, <laughs> So, (laughs) um, just keep your eye on him, he'll be sneaking out at some point. Um, Because that's why we do this, that's why we have these tables like we have these tables. It's not so that we don't just sit there like a captive audience and listen to somebody expound their their wisdom, Um, but it's the fact that we, we, yeah, we can hear from somebody, but we can teach one another as well, and we can talk to one another, because that's what families do. Families don't sit uh, in a living room and listen to one person, then they all go off their separate ways. Families have conversations with each other, and that's what these tables are for, and so we're going to be very much in that theme this morning so kathy over to you that's what we're going to do right now mark said half of what i was going to say so um yeah so we've been hearing about champions from the bible and you've been hearing from the front about what the speakers have brought to you about certain uh, champions but we want to give you an opportunity to tell each other who your heroes and heroines are from the bible your champions so just round your tables if we can take a few minutes five minutes, five minutes five minutes to do that and just share with each other why that person is, is inspiring to you and how reading about that person has affected you so we'll just take five minutes to do that okay while we're doing that if we can please try not to have the conversation move on to what happened on eastenders or things like that but let's keep it to the theme um, if you are on a table on your own you're going to have to move across to somebody but have a good chimwag with each other talk about your heroes and your heroines from scripture Kathy is up here near the front, and if you've got any children, if you want to bring them up to the front and join in the conversation with Kathy and the guys down here, we want to involve the children this morning in that conversation also. Uh, A really nice thing to do is to be able to just explain who your heroes and heroines are and why they're really, why they're important to you, why they stand out of Scripture. Um, We did Champions of the Bible (coughs) because (coughs) it was August. And uh, lots of people were going away, and we wanted something that could be quite interactive because the kids were going to be all in, but also because, and probably more importantly, because it was the Olympics, and it was a really nice tie-in. Uh, and obviously the Olympics have finished now. Um, oh, the Olympics have finished, the Paralympics begin. So the Olympics have finished now, and one of the things when they're bidding for the Olympics is not so much the, the stadia or, or, or the facilities or anything like that, but it's the legacy. It's what are they they going to bring after all that circus has been to town? What's going to be left? What are we going to be left with? And so therefore, um, what I'd quite like to do for us is is to think about legacy. Because we've talked about champions, specific champions. uh, And I'm going to talk about John today as one of my champions of the Bible. Um, And as I'm talking, I want us to think about legacy. I want us to think about the mark that people have made, not only in Scripture, but uh, in the world, in the world of yesteryear and in the world um, of today. Um, One of those folks left that mark on the moon. Who left that footprint on the moon? Neil Armstrong. Armstrong. Now, Neil Armstrong passed away uh, yesterday, I believe. It could have been the day before, but I think it was yesterday. Um, uh, I think it was 82 or something like that. Now, Neil Armstrong, for those that don't know it, he landed on the moon on July 20th 1969. So the fact is, he made his mark. He has made his mark for all times, being the first man to leave his footprint on another celestial body in our solar system, and I think that's pretty cool yeah it is pretty cool that's still there there's no winds. don't forget on the moon so his footprint his mark will last for all eternity until we obviously build a moon base and we have a space McDonald's up there or something like that but it will be there for all time so like I said my hero is John although I fully respect and admire what Neil Armstrong is Neil Armstrong did Can you imagine how terrifying it must have been to be at the pinnacle of a rocket, and basically that was the, the only thing that was behind you was umpteenth you know, uh, megawatts of power being generated by these, these rockets to shoot you up into the sky that nobody else has ever done before. This tiny, tiny vessel on top of something like that. How scary was that? But he was prepared to step foot into that vessel, get shot up into space, and leave his mark uh, on mankind. So think about legacy. Think about what we can do. All right, so let's just move on to John. Let's respect and love Neil Armstrong for what he did. Let's move on to John. Now, who was John? Who was he? He was the writer of John's Gospel, so that's a big clue. Um, And he was also the writer of 1, 2, and 3 John. And also, he was quite a big contributor to Revelation. Although it was Jesus speaking through John, John was just writing it down. So John has contributed quite a lot to our New Testament. Probably a little bit less maybe than Paul. I don't know. I haven't done the comparisons. But he was quite impactive in his his time and also what he has left us. John was possibly, and I've done a little bit of of research on this, and John was possibly Jesus' cousin. And maybe it was through John's mother that they became... Friends. John's family were friends of Jesus' family and were as faithful to Jesus as John was. Multiple generations of John's family serving and giving faithfully to the cause of Jesus. A multi generational ministry family. And isn't that what we want to be here at City Church Leeds? A multi generational family of all different shapes, and sizes, and colors, and ages, and cultures, all serving our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't, isn't that good? That's a good thing to, to desire, to want, and I believe we're absolutely on our way there just by scanning the faces that are here this morning. John was, Jesus called John into ministry on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, and that's where Jesus is from, and John was there working for his father in the fishing business. Now, in that day, uh, a business was handed down from one generation to the next. I mean, it still happens today, but not as much as it did then, and, and, and back then, it, that was the thing. You know, businesses were generational things, uh, and it left you a financial security, it left you a family legacy. And yet we all know the story. Jesus invited John to leave the family business. So the thing that was going to give him security, the thing that was going to give him that legacy to pass on to his sons and their sons and so on and so forth, he left at the word of Jesus. Come follow me. So John then leaves. And he gets a job following his homeless cousin around the place watching him, being with him. John walked away from all that to be with his friend. John was part of Jesus' inner circle, together with who? Who else? There was John and Peter is one, and James. So Peter, James, and John, they seem to have this privileged access to Jesus. They were there for some of the most key moments, and I've listed a few here. They were there when Jairus' daughter was raised from the dead. Let me read it to you. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter, John, and James, and the father and the mother of the child. He was in there on the Mount of Transfiguration. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James And John his brother and led them up a high mountain by themselves and he was transfigured before them and his face shone like the Sun and his clothes became white as light and he was also there they were also there Peter James and John at the garden of Gethsemane where Jesus prayed before his crucifixion let me read that they went to the olive grove called Gethsemane and Jesus said sit here while I go and pray He took Peter, James and John with him and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. So John seems to be, I think it's quite apparent from scripture that he is one of the closest people to Jesus. They were probably best friends. John, it says, was the one who Jesus loved. And it specifically says that in Scripture. John was the one that Jesus loved. Maybe it was a big brother, little brother relationship. John was the youngest disciple, probably in his 20s, his very early 20s. And like I say, he left everything. He left opportunities, of present and future, to walk with Jesus. Now, interestingly enough, those of you who are called John in this room will know that the name essentially means that uh, the Lord is gracious or the Lord has shown grace. And that seems to be in complete contradiction as his character where it says in Mark 3.17, it describes his character as a son of thunder. Now, I, I couldn't visualize thunder, so lightning is the closest picture I could get. But the Lord loved him. Jesus loved him and taught him in the school of grace. Can you imagine how rough and ready he was? He was a fisherman. I imagine they're quite rough and ready fishermen. They're a bit rugged Maybe a bit loose with their mouth. And he was known as a son of thunder. Yet through loving him, through teaching him in this school of grace, he was transformed from this son of thunder to an apostle of love. He grew into the meaning of his name which is how Christ saw him from the beginning. No matter where you are in your walk with Christ, you are growing into how he sees you. Each and every one of you. One scene in John's life that is so interesting is at the crucifixion. And John is right there at the end, isn't he? standing with Jesus' mother Mary and Jesus asks John to take care of his grieving mother. And I I think that shows that he trusts John more than anyone else to look after his grieving mother, his flesh and his blood. So John, an apostle of love, When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to his disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. He didn't visit her on weekends. Phones were around, he didn't call her up didn't write her a letter every now and again he didn't pop his head around the door he invited her into his home and he took care of her for the rest of her days John is Jesus's best friend John is the one that Jesus loved John is the one that Jesus trusted When Jesus rose from the dead, the first people to go to the tomb were women. And one of those was John's mother. They went to tell the disciples that the tomb was empty. Peter and John were the ones who ran to the tomb. In fact, it says that John ran ahead of Peter. He he zoomed it. He wanted to be there first. He wanted to see this for himself. He wanted to get there and just see his friend, see his brother, see his Savior. And he ran as fast as he could. John sees Jesus risen. And he continues to testify all that Jesus did. John was faithful. He met Jesus and he served him for what was probably around 80 years. John, I don't read in scripture anything where John kind of does anything particularly wrong. No one in scripture does, does John, tells where John maybe fell down a couple of times or whatever. I'm sure there were instances of that. He wasn't perfect, but on the whole, he was steady and dependable. For over 80 years. John, out of all the apostles, was the only one left by the time we get to Revelation. He saw all the other apostles murdered or martyred. And he also went under, He also went, underwent tremendous pain and suffering in his life for Jesus. And he probably had some physical scars to show for it. Like I said earlier, he contributes a lot to the New Testament. And it's all about Jesus. John oversaw seven churches in what is now modern-day Turkey. And he was probably, probably about 100 years old when he was writing Revelation. If you try and put those statistics together, the age statistics. And there's a lot that is mentioned. i just say this right now. There's a lot that is mentioned about John outside of Scripture. A lot of ancient historians mention John. So that's where I can get some of these facts and figures from. These seven churches would bring John in to talk to the new Christians who'd never seen Jesus. Can you imagine John is either between 80 to 100 years old or something like that, and they're wheeling him in to say, you can just talk to these people. Tell them about Jesus. You knew him. He loved you. Please just tell them about Jesus. And he did. A hundred years old. And he's still telling people about his mate. About how much his mate loved him. And how much his mate loves them. So he comes in. He's wheeling him in. He's old. And he says to these new Christians, he said, Little children love one another and I think that's the ultimate application of John's ministry for us as Christians little children love one another his ministry is filled with Christ it's his application for us he writes as an affectionate elder in fact John wouldn't stop talking about Jesus so much and doesn't tell you this in Scripture but you can Read this elsewhere in church history, in in ancient historians of the day, that he was boiled alive by the Roman emperor, Domitian. In fact, it's mentioned, if you want to look this up, it's mentioned by an ancient historian by the name of Tertullian, and others as well. This story is mentioned elsewhere. They tried to boil him alive, not in water, but in oil. He goes on. To be exiled to the Isle of Patmos because they couldn't kill him. The man was bald in all. I don't know how they did that, whether they got a big vat of oil and dipped him in it or whether they laid him out on the floor and poured oil over him. Whatever it was, I consider it a miracle that he didn't die. That he wasn't severely disabled because of that. Because he, he's, he's sent off to the Isle of Patmos. That's amazing. Imagine if you're boiled in oil. No, you don't want to imagine what happens when you're boiled in oil. But they just wanted to shut him up because he wouldn't stop talking about Jesus. Wouldn't stop talking. Now, Patmos is basically a little island, or basically a rock, actually, in the middle of the ocean. And it's a hard place to get to. It's a rough ride to get there. It's pretty stormy or the waves are pretty kind of, you know, uh, active around there. It's got no protection from those winds and from those storms. It's got a, or at least it would have had, I'm sure they're built on it now, but a harsh, rough, rugged terrain. And can say, they're put in there to stop him interacting with churches, to pull him away from his ministry. And as we all know, this is where John, this is where John was when Jesus appeared to him and revealed to him the book of Revelation, or as some traditional um, parts of Christianity call it the revelation. The revelation of Christ. So John was elderly and he's lonely in Patmos, and he couldn't be with God's people, but Jesus. Came to him. The one who he loved. His brother. John's story, I think, is not just one to be admired, but to be imitated. I think if each and every one of us, all we did was talk about how much Christ loves you, I think that would be enough. We don't have to preach hell and damnation. Although that is real, and it is there, and Scripture talks about it, but let's, let's talk about love, first and foremost. Let's love one another, and let's tell people, let's take it upon ourselves to just get out there in the world and become known for just being the person who just talks about Jesus all the time, because that isn't a bad thing to be. Okay, Kathy, we've got something more interesting. At this point, what I was going to ask, and we're running out of time, so I'm going to skip this. What I'd like you to do, guys, is to read some of John's writings. So if you haven't read 1, 2, or 3 John for a long time, go home today or at some point this week and just read them. They're not long books. It won't take you long, but just absorb what they say. Read the Gospel of John again. Start to read Revelation as well. Because Revelation is just full of... Wonderful stuff. It's just because of the way it is, because of the vision, it's possibly a little bit harder to just get your head around some of the others. So, with Revelation, just give yourself a little bit longer just to absorb that. But give yourself a task over this next week, if you would, just to read either one, two, or three John, the Gospel of John, or indeed some parts of Revelation. Yeah? Can we all agree to do that? Could, would you all agree with me to do that? Yeah, every one of us has got at least five minutes. You know, just just to read to read scripture. Okay, let's try and do that. I said at the beginning that this was about legacy, about leaving your mark, didn't I? And I said it was. You know, what did Neil Armstrong leave? Well, he left his footprint, but he's also left a a mark on our world for what he did. And, and Paul showed me a quote, and it's an unsubstantiated quote, so I don't know exactly if he did do this. But it'd be nice. It'd be a nice thought if he did do this. And I'll read it to you. Neil Armstrong, the first man to walk on the moon, died yesterday. He used to sign his pictures, better than man walking on the moon is the son of man walking on this earth. And I hope he did say that. I hope he did sign his pictures. He was a believer, so he probably did then. Fantastic. Okay, so we're talking about legacy. In his three letters, John left a legacy of divine love. should ignite the passion of future believers while exiled on Patmos John recorded Jesus revelation of victory and hope and when things in the world and the professing church seem bad it's a great encouragement to see that the final outcome is gonna be wonderful it will be triumphant and it will be his glory scripture would not be complete without the book of Revelation. John's example teaches us that we are to look forward to the return of Christ. There will be those of us, not just here, around the world, that may lose their life for the sake of their testimony. And there will be those of us who will be there when we see Christ return. We will be here on this planet. So what example is John to us today? He left what the world had to offer him to follow Jesus. He loved Jesus and was devoted to him. He was not disheartened when Jesus went to be with the Father, but instead did not stop telling everyone about his friend and the great things he had done. He carried on preaching and ministering despite the pain and the suffering he underwent. He had seen Jesus crucified and he knew that he must too suffer for the kingdom. He trusted God. Even in old age, when his body was frail, when he was in a cold and lonely place, he responded to what Jesus had spoken to him in his revelation and he wrote it down so that many generations to come would read and realize the victory that Jesus has over sin and death and the hope that this brings leading to his return. And into eternal life. So I leave you with just one question What legacy are you leaving? Whether it's to the world or to a small group of individuals, what legacy are you and I leaving?